are many ways you can support Right Up My Podcast, but we'd love it if you pick just one. You can join our Rump Club via Patreon from as little as £3 a month. Get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, the inside scoop on upcoming episodes, members-only workshops, no-holds-barred Gwen and Kate Wiffle Waffle, and more. Simply head to patreon.com slash writeupmypodcast. Or if you prefer to be a one-off supporter, you can send us a virtual coffee. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash writeupmy. Follow the links in our show notes and we will love you forever. Thank you. It's right up my street, my boulevard. It's right up my straza. Oh my God, it's garden right up there. It's right up my podcast. Welcome to Right Up My Podcast. My name's Kate White. And my name's Gwen Watson, and this is the podcast in which we talk to really clever and quite well-informed folk about the brilliant things that they do to make themselves feel good. This episode, episode 20, we are really excited to be talking all about perimenopause. Now, this is something that we both really wanted to dedicate an episode to because it is a bit of a hot topic right now. There have been some quite high-profile TV programmes about it, articles. It's a lot of discussion about it with friends, family, peers. I know lots of people with lots of questions and lots of unanswered questions, should I say, about this. And we really wanted to use this opportunity to find answers to some of these questions and really explore it. And it's something that is becoming more and more relevant in our own lives as well. Absolutely. Ding and ding. It is definitely something that is very central to my own life and um yeah and like you said it's really is becoming a hot topic but also like Davina McCall has just done this amazing program on menopause which we're going to be talking more about um after the interview we've both watched it after doing this interview um and but I still do think that perimenopause is something that we can know a lot more about yes. and that is why we are here not only to provide the service for your ladies, but also basically for ourselves. <laughs> we're like, we've got a lot of questions. And can I just say to all of our male listeners, um, this is not an opportunity for you to turn off and go outside and start doing something rugged like chainsawing up a log, because this is actually something that affects all of us. Because even if you're not a woman, you probably do know a woman. You may even live with a woman under your same roof. So this is all really, really key information that actually... Um, all of us need to know. Yeah, and to be able to talk about it in a way where it's not sniggering, it's not embarrassed, it's not kind of full of stereotypical images of kind of sad women sobbing into their hot chocolates. You know, this is, <laughs> this is something that it's um, great just to be able to open up more and more discussion about. Exactly. And um, so we're going to cut down the wiffle waffle um, this week, which will be a very sad for a lot of you but probably quite a relief for a lot of other listeners (laughs) my highlight of my week Gwen is finding out what you've been watching on telly (laughs) exactly but we decided that we um we didn't want to cut down too much of our interview with oh you haven't even said who we're chatting to right oh my lord Mr. trick there we are talking to perimenopause expert nutritionist women's health expert Emma Bardwell but I'll give you a bit more information about her later on and um, suffice to say that it was such a fascinating chat and we did chat to her for a little bit longer than we usually do so we've decided to make this a bumper edition um, which I hope that you will enjoy and share with your friends and no offence if you decide to listen to it over two maybe three sittings 
Take your time. Enjoy. Get a cup of tea. <laughs> um, I do want to just say, though, even though we're not talking about television programmes, I have just watched a really epic series on yeah. Channel 4. What is it? Have you seen Close to Me? And it stars Christopher Eccleston. And, oh, my God, I really should have the female art- <laughs> actress in it as well. All I know is it's got Christopher Le- Eccleston in, because we all recognise him, and the young, blo- the young boy who was in that TV series, Us, the um, TV adaptation of the book by David Nichols that also starred Tom Hollander. Um, it's anyway, those two plus some awesome women, they're in it. It's called Close to Me and um, it's really, it draws you in from the second it starts. Oh. Uh, this woman, she's had a fall. She can't remember the last year and she's gradually piecing together the pieces. And oh, it's yeah, really I've the, good. I've read the book of this. I thought I recognised it. Book. I read the book. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's such a fascinating story. And I feel, yes. I'm worried now that I'm going to give spoilers because I don't know where the TV show has got to. So I'm not going to say right. anything about it. But yes, it is quite a gripping story, isn't it? Yeah, it is one of those that you kind of go, oh, I just want to watch another episode. And I can't believe it's been turned into a TV show because it was the author's first novel and it was a massive oh. sellout hit. And now it's been made into a TV show. They don't need to write another book now. That's it. Their career. That's pretty brilliant. Brilliant. Actually, yes, it was written by Amanda Reynolds. Yes. Um and stars, um, well, this is also why I didn't want to say her name, because I think she's Danish. Connie Ingerlise Nielsen. Who's that, Gwen? Just What's ruined that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and Suzanne Lynch, who I love her. You'll know her face if you see her. Great cast. Yeah. But yeah, total page turner. And it's yeah. exactly the same watching it. And it's got undertones of menopause. And it's like, oh, this is nice. Let's see more of this on television. Okay. Let's celebrate this, make it more normal. Let's have more discussion around it. And I think... Yeah, I was very happy to see that. Yes, so her character, they write off the the, the suspicions she has about what's going on around her as um, she's just a little bit menopausy. Is that right? A li- sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Or she's realising that a lot of her symptoms from the last year are due to the fact that she was going through menopause and didn't know. Right. So she was suffering in silence. Well, I tell you what, ladies... And gentlemen, no more suffering in silence because we are here to lift the lid. Perimenopause, we're going in. So this is episode 20. Can I just say, Kate, 20? I'm so proud of us. I know. Look how far we've come. Episode 20. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's amazing. It's only taken us about, what, 13 months to get here? (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Anyway, this is our bumper edition all about perimenopause. But we don't want you to pause. We want you to perimenogo. Like what we did there. (laughs) And this episode, we are talking to Emma Bardwell, who is a registered nutritionist and women's health specialist. And she specialises in offering evidence-based advice and is on a mission to demystify the menopause and the perimenopause. And she works with a menopause doctor and they refer people back and forth between the two of them. Now, you may well have heard of her. She's been featured in the media a lot as a go-to expert and voice of advice when it comes to this subject matter. And we started our chat with Emma by asking her, what does the term perimenopause actually mean? It is basically when your hormones, your oestrogen and progesterone are starting to decline. And usually it's progesterone that goes first. It tends to slope off pretty gradually and quite uniformly, whereas oestrogen very much kind of fluctuates and it's the combination of the two that give you those kind of horrible symptoms so for progesterone when that 
is diminishing. It very much affects mood, it affects sleep, things like that. Um, and then all the others basically is oestrogen, joint pains, um, hot flushes, night sweats, that kind of thing. Okay. And this starts at a different stage for every person, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, the average age of menopause, so menopause is when your periods stop completely, last one ever, you know, you're done. That's 51 in the UK. Uh, But so the lead up, yeah, that perimenopause time, which is probably the most kind of important in a way and the most disruptive, you know, and that's that's when women start to really kind of suffer potentially, not all one, not everyone, you know, um, that the average age is 45. But I would say, and I think lots of my peers would agree, you know, it happens much earlier. And I don't, you know, I don't like to be kind of alarmist, but I do think that women late 30s, early 40s, they need to have this on their radar. Because I think one of the big issues is that women just aren't prepared for it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you feel like you're falling off a cliff. If you know what's happening then, you know, there's all these kind of brilliant resources and things that you can do to, to get on top of your symptoms. That's a really great point because that's one thing that we we want to try and achieve here is to sort of empower people, isn't it, so that you can just own it rather than feel like you're out of control. Totally. Yeah, you need to... And you can, you know, once you've taken ownership of your hormones and of the whole process then there are just, yeah, there's myriad ways that you can, uh, then you, that you can address these things. So, you know, the, I've written this book, uh, The Perimenopause Solution. I have to get that in. And <laughs> the, the strapline is, <laughs> yeah, the strapline is take control of your hormones before they take control of you. And that's essentially what we're trying to do. So when we came up with the idea for the book, it was very, you know, the premise was to get in early to these younger women which I don't think is happening enough. It's changing, but it's, you know, we, we have this kind of image of menopause as, as these kind of dried up old ladies with grey hair wearing elasticated slacks. And mm. I, got, I got in trouble for saying this the other day, waterfall cardigans. Somebody was like, actually, I wear waterfall cardigans all the time. <laughs> so, you know, but essentially we're talking about young women, you know, in their, in their kind of prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that um, now looking back, I can see that my symptoms started at around the age of 41, 42. And um, I, but but we've all, we do have the idea of menopause in our head. And like you said, we think it's going to happen when we're in our 50s. Um, but there's been, I had no idea, absolutely no idea that there was a build up to it. And actually we're working towards our periods finishing. That's just the climax, right? That's just the, that's just the happy fireworks the at the end. grand finale. Yeah. yeah. But actually, and then, and then you start, I was, and we were saying before coming on air to you that, perimenopause feels like the dark arts it feels like it's whispered on the wind people are kind of you know collecting in corners yeah have have you experienced this it's like there's there's nothing out there there was nothing to tell us suddenly we're being told oh you know what you can have these symptoms for 10 years before your menopause you're like what the fuck exactly yeah and when I was about 41 42 and I started um I started having trouble with my words. I started losing words. I started replacing them with ridiculous words. I remember being laughed at for saying banana wrapper because I couldn't remember banana skin. And being a radio <laughs> presenter and voiceover artist, I thought I was in such a panic. I was losing my mind. And, and I went to the doctors saying, I've got, I think I've got dementia. 
And this was a female doctor. She sent me to a dementia clinic and I went and I had an MRI on my brain. And in the end, or coincidentally, I was also low on iron. So I started taking iron supplements and that helped. But it's taken me until I'm 46 for somebody to say to me, and it was around a table with women the other night, and somebody to say, no, I was reading an article in, in The Guardian and loads of people think they've got dementia. I nearly burst into tears. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, why don't we know about this? Yeah, it's really stuff like that is is super scary, obviously, for women when they feel like they're losing the plot, particularly, you know, I hear from women who've got dementia in their families. Mm. Of course, you're going to make that kind of association, aren't you? Um, And not only that, you know, so you've wasted your time. You've wasted all that kind of worry, all that angst, you know, going to the GP and also, you know, millions, literally millions and millions of, of NHS funds are spent on scans and tests um, that simply aren't needed. You know, you just need to work on either replacing your hormones or understanding that you've got this deficiency uh, and working o- around, you know, addressing those symptoms. And what are the symptoms? Because obviously I've now realised that a lot of people think that they're getting dementia. A brain fog is a really big one. Um, What are the other symptoms that people might be experiencing in the lead up? Yeah, those so those emotion, those sort of psychological symptoms, I think are the ones that really we don't talk about enough. Uh, because everyone knows about hot flushes and night sweats, don't they? Yeah. But nobody really talks about that anxiety or the kind of loss of confidence. So lots of women will say, you know, I can no longer drive on the motorway because it just scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I present all the time. I'm used to, you know, a lot of, a lot of women are at the top of their careers around this time, right? So they're, they're in kind of leading jobs and suddenly they just can't do the things that they were doing without a second thought. Um, So it's that anxiety, loss of confidence, brain fog, you know, memory lapses. Um, Some people are having full-blown panic attacks. Uh, They're not sleeping well. They're putting on weight. So their body is changing. You know, they're not... I hear this a lot. You know, it's it's like women just suddenly don't recognise themselves, sort of physically, emotionally. They want to kind of almost, and this happened to me, kind of isolate from the world because it's like my god I just don't I almost just don't trust my body anymore it's not functioning yeah bloody hell this is really interesting because so many of this is uh, resonating yeah because I'm a couple of years younger than Gwen sorry Gwen I'm all right bloody Every episode, every episode (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm at that phase where I'm thinking well I'm the last I'm I'm noted I've always been blessed with being able to sleep really well and suddenly I'm not and suddenly I'm feeling anxious I'll be lying in bed and I can feel this knot building in my chest and I'm coming up with all these reasons as to why it could be it's because this part of my life this is finished or this is started or I'm doing this or I'm doing that and actually it's only really now in preparing for our talk with you and listening to you talk literally in the last 30 seconds that I'm thinking well maybe maybe it's not maybe it is the start of these hormonal changes that's to do with it and it's not an external factor that I can fix how old are you 42 okay yeah yeah I think I think those the early 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 40s is definitely particularly progesterone and that has a massive impact on sleep I think that is when for a lot of women and lots of women don't want to hear this 
you know, they just don't want to accept that this is happening. Uh, so they will put it down to all sorts of other things. And we've got a shitload of stuff going on at this time of life, right? Yeah. You know, you've got your job, you've maybe got kids, you're perhaps in a relationship, you've maybe got older parents that you are kind of looking after. There's a ton of stuff going on. Chuck a pandemic in and you've got this kind of perfect shit show really mm. whereby it of course you know you're lying there in the middle of the night thinking god you know what can i put this down to and yes few very few of us are actually putting it down to hormones yeah um so what yeah and it is the, it's that kind of the palpitations mm. and they're not sleeping you feel terrible the next day that cause you know it can bring on night sweats and hot flushes it can make you really hungry it can make you really hangry mm-hmm. uh it kind of it dysregulates your blood sugar levels i mean yeah. it just has such a massive knock on effect sleep is that is a is a real kind of pillar yeah. i think for health yeah, yeah. Oh. Without a doubt. And this is something we've spoken about in all sorts of different contexts, isn't it? When the sleep is not happening, the knock-on effect for the rest of your life, yeah, it all falls out of kilter, definitely. So let's talk um, proactively then. Once we've begun to identify that things are changing and that um, emotionally or physically we've begun to realise these changes are happening, what's our first steps? Yeah, let's let's think... Positively, right? Yeah. So mm. it's a call. It, I think it's a good way to look at it. Is you know, this is a call to arms. This is your time to start doing a bit of a health audit, a bit of a life audit, uh, maybe even a friendship audit. You know. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Controversial, <laughs> but you know, getting rid of the things that aren't serving you well and making you happy, things that aren't sparking joy, and that could be partners it, uh, you know it's extreme but it could be friends but definitely it, it's a time to really kind of almost do like an MOT so I get women to you know look at perhaps talking to their GP I know it's really hard at the moment but you know looking at your blood pressure your cholesterol checking you know what's happening with your nutrition are you nourishing yourself properly are you moving what kind of fitness you know what kind of exercise are you doing uh getting your iron, your beta 12, your folate, your vitamin D, all those kind of real fundamentals, getting them in place. Are you leaking a bit? You know, getting your pelvic floor sorted out because this is only going to get worse and there's lots that you can do about it. Kate, Kate, did you just clench your pelvic floor there? (laughs) (laughs) I immediately clench when somebody says pelvic floor. And your eyebrows start raising up, yeah. But it Absolutely. is, it's, it's, there's, it's something, it's such a huge affliction for so many women, whether you've had kids or not, uh, but it's something that can be easily addressed and it can be turned around. So, you know, going to see a women's health physio, I did it myself in my early 40s. That's when I really started to notice my own symptoms. And it was, I think she was 45 quid, half an hour. I went for five sessions and she completely turned my pelvic floor around. Wow, she, sorry, you know, sounds painful. Well, yeah, so, it's, you know, they, she did an internal, she, uh, she um, gauges, she sort of measures you, not, not physically, but she will, with her fingers inside you, get you to clench right. front, back and sides. I was like, I could potentially do front and back, but sides, that for me, that was like, what? So she gets you to engage all of that hammock of muscles, which is so crucial. And she gave me, you know, a measurement from one to five. I was 1.5, one being 
pretty shit. Oh, five wow. being brilliant. Yeah. And after the five sessions, though, sorry, this is a long-winded story. After the five sessions, she got. She, I was up to a four, and she said, "I never give a five because I don't want women to get complacent." Right. So wow. you went away with exercises to practice. Yes. And you just built and those I, muscles yeah. up. Yeah. Because everyone can do them. You know, there's a brilliant app called Squeezy, which is, you know, run by the NHS. Uh, But it's just boring and there's no accountability. But if you know that you're going back Mm. to see this women's physio, you know, every, I don't know, two or four weeks, you are much more motivated to get it done. Okay. So just so Um, I'm clear, because I've never heard of a women's health physio, I have heard that um, you should be doing pelvic floor muscles because you're less likely to be put in a home by your kids when you get older because you're less likely to be incontinent. But um, how... So what is the importance of... of, um, our our tightening up our bits in our 40s so it's not leaking when you run or cough or sneeze um you know just for sexual satisfaction as well not just for a partner if you've got a male partner but for yourself too because what happens is you know estrogen is we think of it just in terms of reproductive health but it is really important for actually building collagen for for springiness Mm. so you will see as those kind of levels deplete that you start to your skin sags you lose the collagen in your face but you also lose it in this hammock of muscles in your pelvic floor and in your vaginal walls and in your vulva so we have this kind of awful thing called vaginal atrophy which i mean it's just such a terrible term right um it sounds like something's dying yeah. withering literally oh, withering God. away uh so they have renamed it now but it's such a long-winded medical term that i you know it's it's almost not worth talking about but what is worth talking about is that these things do happen mm. uh but there's lots of things that you can do you know there's estrogen creams you can we talk about it in the book you know moisturizing your vulva just like you do your face and your body oh. this is the kind of stuff that we need to be thinking about yeah and that we need to be able to talk about without the cringe factor because that's what I was going to ask you actually you know how do we talk about this with the other important people in our life it's one thing being able to talk about it with uh, the other women in our life and their girlfriends because it's a shared experience but actually we should be able to share this with our partners with our family that I'm making these efforts because of this or you might notice that I'm a bit more like this and this is the reason why I know it's that's a great point um and yeah, the, uh, particularly for men, it is, I think it's hard. It, it's hard for women to talk about, uh, you know, and if women aren't recognising that this is happening to them quite often, they're putting it down to lots of other things, it's very, very hard for, for men to pick up on it. Um, so I think it's just including them in the conversations, you know, sharing the information that you've got, buying my book and giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm doing, I'm doing lots of work with... People like the Body Shop, and they are in. So they're rolling out this menopause policy to you know across their entire global network, and they are making a massive point of including the men in the conversation. You know, inviting them into the webinars. Um, so I think it's and kids too. Your yeah. kids need to know what's going on. I mean, mine are. They know more about menopause than than, <laughs> than most people walking yeah. on the street. Poor little sods. One's only nine. But she, <laughs> she knows all about vaginal dryness. You know, she, She's she, got so much to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> well, I tell you what, though, it won't, it won't be a surprise to her. And hopefully, because we're just a lot better now at talking about this stuff, it won't be a surprise to, to Gen Z, you know? Yeah. They will... 
they will know what's going on. They're much better at talking about periods, aren't they? Yeah. Mental yeah. health. Yeah, definitely. Uh, miscarriages, all of these things. And, and menopause, you know, soon I think we can add that to the list. Well, we're all living for so much longer. You know, historically, women in our stage of life, you know, we were in the, we were all put together in a hut, weren't we? And we'd, we'd fulfilled our reproductive roles. Burned. And <laughs> that was it. We were kind of like... Was that in the 60s? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now, you know, we're only halfway through our lives we've got so much more life ahead of us and that's so exciting and I'm I don't know if this sounds really old-fashioned thing to say because obviously this is nothing new is it but um but yeah I want to approach the next half of my life with joy and excitement and energy and this I just want to sort of take in my stride I am with you I'm with you all the way and I think by what we're talking about women generally in our 40s and 50s we've got we've only just begun right it's like you have got a ton of living to do. And the brilliant thing, and this is the, you know, the positive side of this, which I think often isn't talked about, is that you are, you know, you know your shit. You, you put up with a lot less shit mm. at this age. You're incredibly intuitive. You've got this kind of wisdom. You've been around the block. Uh, and that, that kind of life experience, I think, is huge. My friend Carl, he's just one hell of a guy He's got a wandering eye, but he's a hell of a guy But when I think of it He isn't so cool, no, he's a bit of a fool Yeah I, I listened to a really interesting um, chat the other day. I'm going to I'm going to name drop another podcast, which um, which I will encourage our listeners to listen to. But of course, come back to us immediately afterwards. It's fortunately with Fee and Jane, and they were having a chat with Bridget Christie talking about menopause, and um, they were saying how like a third of people barely notice the symptoms, a third have kind of quite average symptoms, and a third get it really badly, and. Um, I had another conversation with a friend the other day who was suggesting that, you know, it's a kind of positive mental attitude that will get us through it. And I kind of think, do we have, is it kind of, what, what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Do we have any choice? Do we have any... Um, Control? Yeah, like of the, of, on how it affects us. I think some of it is genetic, right? So you can talk to your aunt, your mum, your gran, whatever, and see what kind of uh, response they had. A lot of them, though, if they're anything like my mum, was like... Oh, God, menopause. I don't know why you're always talking about it. God, you're always banging on. We all just sailed through it. You That's know. what my mum said. Yeah. yeah. It's it's total bull. It's like, I know you were a nightmare because I was living with you at the time. She was yeah. horrendous. Uh, but she just didn't realise. Yeah, my mum's not got anywhere near the confidence she had when I was growing up. And I just see that she's really different. And I feel that happening to me. And it's just, I feel like I'm on a slippery slope. Maybe it's seen as a sign of weakness, yeah, to admit that this is happening. Mm. Well, I think they didn't have the vocabulary. There wasn't the understanding. It was like, God, you know, a lot of it, I think, was put down to, oh, you know, she's got nerve issues. Or there was always that yeah. kind of woman, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah she's, got, she's got really bad nerves. She's a bit nervous. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a genetic component too. But yeah, I think what you're saying is, can we kind of override these symptoms with a good, you know, positive mental attitude? I would say to a degree, yeah, maybe. But but when I see women really flawed by, uh, you know, these really debilitating um, things that are happening, 
to the point sometimes, and I know we want to keep this positive, but to this point where some women are actually thinking about taking their own lives, you know, they're certainly thinking about giving up work because they just, they can't function day to day. I don't think any kind of positive mental attitude would kind of override that. You Hormones are huge. They have a massive impact on so many things in our bodies. And it's only when they start going awry, I think, that we that we kind of recognise the importance that they have, you know, the important role that they have. On that note of hormones, I think we, do, like you said, we totally ignore it. Like we're, I've heard of oestrogen, I've heard of progesterone. I can never pronounce it, but I know that mm. that's another thing. Um, but can you just very briefly tell us... Um, what they what their role is, what they do, and how how it fluctuates throughout our usual monthly cycle, um, but then also, presumably, we've all got different differing levels of of them, haven't we? So when we go to get HRT, we will need differing levels of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and some women, you know, have had issues from this from when they started their periods, right? So some, you've got endometriosis, you've got PCOS, you've got women with all sorts of kind of period related um, issues. And again, this is something I think that really needs to be addressed very, very early on. So PMS, PMDD, you know, this really kind of Um, severe form of of PMS where women are again you know suicidal can't function just before their period so um, yeah we do need to uh, you know if you if if hormone therapy is something that you uh, you know a road that you go down you will probably have to tweak it you can tweak it that's the beauty of it throughout the month and, and according to how you are reacting and to your symptoms because it's very much not it's a fluid uh, you know, beast. It isn't something that is set in stone. It moves a lot, perimenopause. You know, it's a constant, what, what am I trying, what's my analogy? It's a constantly shifting sort of target is what I'm trying to say. Um, but essentially what's happening is oestrogen and progesterone, I won't go into the, you know, biology massively because you'll all nod off, but they, they work uh, sort of synchronistically. So when one is high, the other is low. So oestrogen is this kind of, it's almost like a driver. It, it keeps us going. It's motivating. It builds. You know, it's it's the kind of upper. Progesterone is is more like the downer. It's calming. It's soothing. It helps us to sleep. Okay. Mm. And so, how do you manage that process? I mean, how do you manage those fluctuating levels if you were to go onto a hormone replacement therapy? So it will be something that you would talk to your GP about. Okay. Uh, there's lot. There's lots of different preparations. Um, and yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's very very individualised. Okay, fair enough. Not something that we can sort of debunk. I don't think it's yeah. it's not really a blanket. But you know, there are there's there's gels, there's sprays. You know, there are patches. There's lots of different ways that you can take oestrogen. Progesterone would be uh, either with a marina coil or as a micronized, which is just means body identical form of progesterone that you would take orally. Um, and yeah, you might need to adjust your dose as you kind of as as you proceed through your symptoms and through life. Okay. And aren't they saying now? There's something very recently come out that it is now available. HRT is now available for people and peri- people going through perimenopause. We don't have to wait till menopause to get it. Yeah, very much so. I think this is a you know there's there's a big kind of movement towards training GPs because lots of GPs just simply haven't had the training, so they don't. They're not giving women, you know, the answers and the and the solutions that they need. 
So yes, it is very much something that hormone therapy is, is useful when you're in the thick of those symptoms, not when your periods stop necessarily. Mm. So yeah, there's lots of women in their 40s on hormone therapy. And we need to also remember that 5% of women go through this, what we call an early menopause, so under the age of 45. One in 100 go under the age of 40. My youngest client was 14 when she went through menopause. So it it isn't something that automatically happens to you in your 40s and 50s. I think, again, that is very much an area that isn't talked about enough. Those younger women and, and women who've gone through, you know, chemotherapy and breast cancer, who have or had hysterectomies, very, you know, that kind of surgical, surgical or chemical, chemically induced menopause. It's a massive area that really, really needs much more education, much more education around it. I also wanted to quickly ask if, and this might be a good time to do it, is what your personal view is on HRT, Emma. Is this something that you recommend to people who come to you? Definitely. I'm a huge advocate for the right woman. Yeah, I think... It is, you know, for a lot of women, they will find that literally within a week or two, their symptoms um, have been completely overturned or, or massively overturned by, wow. by hormone therapy. So, yes, for definitely for the right woman. And there's lots of talk about HRT at the, at the moment, which is brilliant. But again, I do think, you know, not everyone wants to go down that route and not everyone can. So we do need to be a little bit more kind of expansive in the way that we talk about uh, strategies and tools. Um, and that's kind of where I come in. So I work very closely with a menopause doctor. We refer to each other. It's very much a, a joined up approach because it isn't, even if you're taking hormone therapy, you've still really got to look at your lifestyle and your nutrition, you know, fitness, that kind of thing, which we'll go into, I'm sure. Um, it isn't like, oh God, you're taking HLT so you can get hammered every night and drink and, and eat r- total rubbish. You still, your symptoms can still, HL, they can still be overridden in a way if you have a bad night's sleep, if you're super stressed, if you are caning the wine, etc. So let's start then with some of the practical advice that you give the women coming to you. And I'm aware that this is under the caveat that everybody is different and everybody's needs are different. Yeah. So, yeah, I think what we're trying to do essentially is to have almost like a Mediterranean style way of eating. It's anti-inflammatory. It makes sense. It's probably had the most research of all diets, you know, diet in inverted commas uh, out there. There's lots of fresh fruit and veg. There is fish. There's a little bit of meat. There's lots of anti-inflammatory things like extra virgin olive oil. You know, there's lots of fibre. Lots of us are really uh, deficient in, in fibre, not deficient, but we don't have enough fibre um, in the Western world. So, you know, lots of really nice healthy fats, avocados, nuts, seeds. It is, I guess, as you would imagine, right? So that's, that's one thing. I think as well, it's important to start really thinking about balancing your blood sugar. Mm. So taking out things, particularly if you're really in the throes of perimenopause and you are really struggling. Booze, processed food, high sugar foods just aren't really helping you and and caffeine to a degree as well. It's not helping you with those symptoms at all. And I'm not saying you can never have it. I do just think it's worth taking it out until you are a bit more, you know, on a bit more of an even keel and then having it in moderation. Okay. 
Um, I think a lot of us, a lot of women aren't eating enough protein at breakfast. And I talk about this a lot. But, you know, making sure that you start the day, whenever that is, it doesn't have to be at 7.30, but making sure that you are eating, you know, a good source of protein like eggs or like scrambled tofu or Greek yoghurt or a protein shake. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can do it because that sets you up for the day Mm -hmm. and it means that you are much less likely to be hangry, uh, to kind of look for that quick energy fix. Um, it's really good for cravings too. It's just really good for, for weight. And lots of women are struggling with, with weight. Yeah. What's your view on supplements then? Do you advocate dietary supplements? There, so this is the thing. This is the kind of, I would say, where you know menopause is big. It's a multi-billion pound dollar industry. Uh, and it's growing all the time, right? So there's lots. I get every day I get asked to be an ambassador for, you know, this new Menno force or Menno blend or whatever it is. I get um, all those ads on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And the only, the only, it's very individualised, but the only supplement that you need is vitamin D. You know, that is, if you're in the in the Northern Hemisphere. But of course, we are all super busy. We're stressed. We are probably not eating what we should be. We are overdoing it on the wine. So there will always be, I think, an argument for supplements, definitely. Um, The ones that I tend to to, um, recommend the most are things like omega-3, because you can get it from oily fish and just very few of us are eating two portions of oily fish a week. Are you? No. Mm, No. So an omega-3... Some weeks, perhaps. Some, yeah, exactly. And I count myself in this too. So an omega-3, it's anti-inflammatory, really good for heart health, really good for your brain. So really good if you're suffering from things like um, brain fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, skin health too. You know, lots of women are noticing that they're really dry. So fish oil, that omega-3 could be really helpful. There's a vegan variety, which is algae oil. Um Vitamin B, so a B complex that has all the eight B vitamins in, really good for energy if you're if you're flagging. And potentially maybe a probiotic if you've got kind of bloating and digestive issues, which is common again. There's an argument for, for, for lots of different ones, but I think there's a real tendency to go into a health food shop and just kind of scoop everything up, yeah. all the herbs, you know, all, yeah. all these kind of... Um, all these remedies and sometimes they interact with each other they can interact with other medications they're quite potent we think of them as being natural but actually we have to be quite careful and I think quite considered about it and also we're spending a I see women spending an absolute fortune yeah Mm. they're not cheap are they I mean no yeah this is this is really heartening, isn't it, to feel that we can actually take stuff to help the symptoms. What happens when once we've gone through menopause, do we end do we end up on an even keel? Like do we will I end up will I be back to normal afterwards? I like I've just which doesn't make sense, does it? Because all of our hormones will be depleted. So I guess then the next thing is do we have to stay on HRT forever? Well, it's a good point. You can. There's loads of women who are, yeah, who are like, you know, I will go to my grave pumping this gel into me because 
it makes them feel so good. And it, it also, it's not just about the here and now. It's not just about your current symptoms, but, you know, hormone therapy can be really helpful for, uh, you know, for long term, for future proofing against things like osteoporosis, heart disease, dementia. So there is a, a strong argument, I would say, for carrying it on. Not everyone wants to. Again, it's totally individual. But there is also some quite heartening evidence. I don't know if you've heard of um, Lisa Mosconi, have you? Who's this neuroscientist who does a lot of work on the female brain. She's got a brilliant book called The XX Brain. Really okay. recommend it. She's doing lots of research um, about the fact that actually this brain fog that women quite often complain about does write itself kind of post. So we say that most women are postmenopausal around the age of 55. Okay. So once you have come through that real kind of turbulent mm. time, a lot of women will find that their brain, I can't say the same for bones and, and heart, but their brains will... Almost, yeah, get back, to, get back to normal. Okay. Reassuring, right? Oh, I've such a lovely bicycle. See such a lovely wheels, my open coat flaps in the wind. My hair is swept behind my ears downhill around the bend, washing along is there anything better than this no do you know i've got an appointment i have i have made i had blood tests the other day and um because i've been feeling really lethargic really sluggish and i've put on a lot of weight i mean po partly lockdown the lockdown cuddle so i'm giving up sugar and i'm um yeah i'm started going to the gym and i'm going to do more walking and i'm just changing my diet and yes and i went for blood tests the other day and i and she was like well what do you want tested i was like well i don't bloody know and <laughs> tested all i was like yeah i was like i'm really tired i'm having to nap every afternoon can you can you um, test me for my thyroid, iron. She's testing me for my blood sugars. And I've got an appointment right. with a GP at the end of the month to talk about HRT. I've heard good things. She's a female GP and she knows a lot about women's bodies and there's a bit of a waiting right. list to see her because everybody's, okay. all the ladies are yeah. yeah. But I think it's worth talking about, you know, blood tests. So if you're over 45 and you've got symptoms, actually you don't need any blood tests for, you know, to diagnose perimenopause, let's say. So they should, you know, you can, in the back of the book, I've, you know, we've listed them all. You can Google something called the Green Climacteric Scale. There are 34 official ones, probably I'd say far more, more like 70 plus. Um, but go in, you know, go in with your list when you're going to talk to your doctor. And if you're over 45, they don't need to do any tests right. whatsoever. Right. That is worth knowing. Yeah. That is, because actually, yes, how is it diagnosed? Well, exactly, because your hormones are fluctuating so wildly. You know, one day you could be in range, the next day you could be on the floor, the day after that you could be massively sky high. So it, it's pointless. And actually, some people would argue, even, you know, if you're under 45 and you've got a lot of symptoms, again, hormone tests aren't always that accurate or necessary. So what you really need is a really understanding GP who is completely up to date with the latest, um, you know, nice guidance the nice guidelines. And how do you find that GP? How do you know where to start? God. Well, I guess it's, you know, it's word of mouth. Sure. And that's probably why yours is, has got this kind of massive backlog because 
Uh, I think it's changing, you know, Louise Newson is doing lots of uh, educating of uh, GP. She's rolling out this free education programme globally now. So I, hope, I think the, the kind of um, aim is that every, there will be a doctor in every single surgery that is completely up to date with, with the latest. Um, but yeah, I do, it, it, a bit of word of mouth, you know, trial and error. If you yeah. don't, if you're not getting what you want from that doctor, I think it's worth asking for to see somebody else. I think if you're when you're making your initial appointment, ask if that if there's somebody in the surgery who has an interest in women's health or you know specialises in menopause. Um, and you can in the UK, you could be referred to a menopause clinic. There's a massive waiting list, sadly, right. which it shouldn't be like that. And there is there are private doctors, too, if you are if you can afford it and, and desperate, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there are there are options definitely out there. But I think it's really important for women to be as informed and educated as possible. So it's almost like you go in there and you you're controlling the show and you're saying, look, this is what's happening to me. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'd like to do about it. How do you feel about that? Maybe, and it's almost like you're telling them how you want to control things. So the list in the back of your book then is like a tick list that you can go through yeah. and, um, and then present and say, these are all my symptoms and this is what this means. That's really helpful. And I think going, going in there, you know, really having a strong idea of how you want to be managed, you know, how you want to manage this, because you've got eight minutes, time is really short. A lot of women get really flustered because they feel kind of under pressure. They've got brain fog, you know, so plan it all before you go in there. And sometimes you can ask for a double appointment, right? So at least you've got a little bit more time or take somebody in there if you think that will help. That's great advice. That is yeah. really useful advice. And there's something about being able to put a name, put a label onto what you're experiencing that I always find quite helpful to sort of know, OK, I'm not just losing my mind. It's because I'm at this stage of my life and here's my toolkit of what I'm going to do and here's what I can say to the doctor. That's I find I take a bit of comfort in that. It's really reassuring, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think when women are floundering and thinking, what the hell is going on? You know, I've potentially got early onset dementia I'm sweating, you know, I can't, I can no longer drive to work, I can't stand up in front of people and do, you know, the job that I've done every day. That is really debilitating and it's terrifying. So, yeah, just having this understanding, I think, and that kind of comes back to what you said, Gwen, about, um, you know, the positive, Not it's not even positive, it's not positive mental attitude, it's just an awareness and an understanding, I think, is part of the battle. Yeah, and for me, it's knowing that it's not just you. That mm. made such a difference. That yes. that feeling of sitting around with a bunch of women talking about, um, actually, it's very common to feel like you've got dementia and, and that feeling yeah. of wanting to burst into tears, which, and I've actually had that a few times through this conversation. I felt quite teary. It's so reassuring to know that it's not just you losing your mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's almost like it's your duty to help your friends too, because if you're more informed than they are, sometimes they can't see it. Um, Can we talk a little bit about exercise? Because throughout our entire lives, we all know that it's good for us to exercise, but it's, it's specific, isn't it? The type of exercise that we should be doing at this stage. I think any exercise is great for a start. You know, I think once women start feeling these symptoms quite often exercise is the first thing to go out the window because if you're knackered 
um, and you are, I don't know, peeing your pants and your joints ache, you've got brain fog, you're, you're really lacking in confidence, sometimes going to an exercise class is the last thing on your mind, right? Um, so it is quite often, it's the first thing to go. So do what you can. I think there's a lot to be said for walking. I, the, one of the silver linings of um, COVID, I think, has been this, for me personally, has been walking. It's not something I really gave much thought to before, but when we were allowed to have an hour, that was all I did. You know, I mean, it's all you could do, right? Um, mm. I think so. I think there's a lot to be said for being outside, just moving your body, ideally in nature, you know, not always possible. Um, but I also, I think there sometimes there's a tendency for women to over-exercise. So they're like, God, my body is changing. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to starve it. And then I'm going to really kind of hammer the old cardio, which is, for me, I'm nearly 50. That was very much what I grew up. That It was all about cardio bunnies, wasn't it? Running, you know, aerobics, high octane. Actually, that's not that helpful. It's a super sort of stressful time for your body. So adding to it by doing hour-long workouts and, and really kind of overdoing things is counterproductive. So I'd say exercise, but exercise smartly. I, I never do personally, and I don't recommend for my clients anything longer than half an hour. Um, but I make, you kind of make every second count. And I think there's a lot to be said for resistance training. So we lose a lot of lean muscle mass. Lean muscle mass is, is you know, really um, important for things like metabolism, for bone health, for tone, you know. It's like you're waving your kids off and suddenly you've got these massive bingo wings. <laughs> it's like, boom, they're flapping around. So there is, and I think a lot of women, it's not all about aesthetics by any stretch, but a lot of women, their confidence really does go when they start to not recognise, you know, their bodies anymore. So, yeah, strength training is super important and it makes you feel good. It gives you those, it gives you a lot of bang for your buck, I think, strength training. So dumbbells, you know, body weight, resistant bands, um, I, I think it's very, very helpful. I started going to the gym yesterday and with a with an ex-weightlifter um, called Sheila from Sheppey Island. Sheila. And she uses these... Um, she uses these like resistance bands. She's doing bands. chin-ups. <laughs> She's not. But the, these big bands okay. that you hold on to, which I've never... Yeah. So instead of weights, you're using your body. It's like, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing. I, I came out there bouncing. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It releases those incredible endorphins. And you feel, once you start feeling strong and seeing, you know, these muscles growing, it is brilliant. It's self-perpetuating brilliant oh i feel so much more hopeful now i don't know about you kate yes and i also wanted to ask you about hormone contraception so a lot of women still are they, they might be i've got marina coil for example and other women might have the hormonal pills um managing when you should come off that yeah that's slightly confusing isn't it because actually it can mask a lot of the symptoms well particularly you know one of the biggest signs that things are changing are erratic periods so they get longer heavier shorter you know more frequent whatever uh, and actually so if you've if you've got the marina then you're that 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 doesn't apply to you right so you either around the sort of time where you think it might be happening you take it out and you get your you know see what's happening with your cycle um or there is an argument perhaps then for blood tests if you if you've got the marina coil okay okay 
that's interesting. But it's also quite helpful because, you know, that can be the progesterone component of your hormone therapy. So then you would only have to add in oestrogen if that was the road that you were going to go down. Okay. Let's talk about myths then. What myths are there out there that um, just we should put a pin in them right now? The biggest one is is that you need to be that your periods need to finish before you know taking hormone therapy or that you're not perimenopausal if you're still having periods that's categorically not true i think you know the myth is that this is this is the end that it's game over that you're no longer fertile and therefore you're done for i mean that's a massive myth clearly which we've touched on but it is i think for lots of women it's a real time of to be, and this sounds a little bit trite, but it's a time to be kind of fertile in other areas. So I know loads of women who are totally bossing it in terms of, you know, startups, new jobs, new relationships, just, you know, new hobbies. They are kind of rediscovering a part of them that they had really kind of lost touch with. I think particularly if you've got kids and you are you know you're giving a lot right you just I think women I know it's a generalization but we just give and give and it's like Christ what about me and so I think this is very much a time when women are like right this is you know I'm going to start getting a bit selfish and this is what I tell my clients to do as well because it's not selfish clearly it's I mean it's it's hugely important yeah to look after yourself yeah 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 not just looking after yourself, but really, you know, doing the stuff that makes you happy. And I think, you know, saying no to stuff that you do not want to do, again, it leaves you really spread thin and really bloody cross sometimes because, again, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff for other people that actually you, it's, you, your heart just isn't into it. Mm-hmm. So saying no is a massive I think it's a massive tool that we've got in our in our arsenal. There is nothing that makes me happier than going to bed at 9.30 at night. If I'm in bed God. earlier, I'll be like, I'm so happy right now. I've never been Winning happier at this moment in my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to read my book and have my chamomile tea. Loving every minute exactly. of it. Exactly. Oh, don't oh. even oh. start me off. Yes. <laughs> that bedgasm is, is amazing. It's so true. <laughs> That's and actually that's something we haven't really talked about. Sex. It's you know, that is a huge taboo that doesn't really get talked yeah. about enough. Um and a lot of a lot of sexual function can really kind of go uh, off piste during this time for all sorts of different reasons. But again, that's that's something I think that's quite easily addressed. And if you know, touching on things like vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy, we have to make sure that we are keeping that side of things you know we're really keeping on top of it there's lots of women who are struggling you know they wipe themselves after going to the toilet and it's really scratchy you know sex is painful they can't ride a bike sometimes their jeans are like really uncomfortable and these sometimes are young women you know late 30s um and again it's that it's that estrogen um that low estrogen that is really useful for making things plump and juicy and that includes your vagina and your vulva so you know it's such a quick fix too so we i think we have to make sure that we are not worried about bringing this kind of thing up with our gps because 
there's so many quick fixes. There's moisturisers, you know, there's pessaries. There's all sorts of different ways that you can that you can get on top of this stuff. And usually it's a very quick fix too. And what about libidos? I'm guessing that's hormonal. That's where the hormonal treatment will kick in. Yeah, I think it's hormonal, but it's also very strongly tied up, I think, with women's sense of self and identity and body shape, which is changing. Um, And that kind of just if you're feeling pretty knackered, you know, the last thing you want to do is get on it. Right. Mm. Um, So there's lots of things to be addressed in terms of therapy and, uh, you know, the actual physical, like I say, the physical side of things. Um, And there's also, I think, quite a lot to be said just for a bit of, you know, self-love, a bit of masturbation, sex toys. That's another area, I think, that is really growing massively. If you're on Instagram, follow Jo Devine. She's brilliant. Just talks about this stuff, just lays it out on the table. The brilliant thing about right now is that there are just so many resources and books and podcasts and chats Um, out there you know so women don't have to suffer they don't have to be really stoic and get on with it there's lots and lots that you can do and you know really grip it grasp it and then use it almost to kind of fuel the next half potentially of your life Thank you to Emma for that really fascinating conversation. We could have gone on for so long and we did go on for so long. So thank you Emma, for being so generous with your time. And, um, and Emma mentioned her book a couple of times and I would urge anyone to read it because it's a really, really useful tool. It's called The Perimenopause Solution. Take control of your hormones before they take control of you. And it's by Emma Bardwell and Dr. Shazadi Harper. And it covers all elements of hormone therapy, nutrition and lifestyle. It talks about sleep, fitness, menopause in the workplace, how to talk to your partner and family about it. And it's just full of strategies and tools. That's The Menopause Solution. Go and check it out. I look forward to reading that book. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. That's on your Christmas list in your, yeah. in your letter to Santa. Yes, it is. And if you're interested in finding out any more about the other interesting books and Instagram accounts and resources that Emma talks about in our chat with her, we've put the links to them in the show note description. So go to there and you'll be able to find out all about those. So this week, our try out section is a little bit different. Um, I think we're already trying out perimenopause. (laughs) So the homework was a little bit different. But um, how did how did the interview make you feel, Kate? It's a really good question, actually. And it left me feeling really positive and hopeful because the concept of menopause really because I didn't really know much about perimenopause really before we started researching for this and Mm. other things in the media have started to come up more recently but it had always been this kind of dark thing hovering in the future that I knew at some point I would have to come face to face with but my perception of it was very tainted by all the cliches that are perpetuated in the media all of the kind of the, the images that we get confronted with when someone shows you a picture of a menopausal woman you know what I'm talking about exactly yep yep And talking to Emma just actually just really left me feeling like it's going to be okay. We're going to have decades still of great life ahead of us. Excitement, new experiences. And there's 
lots of ways of managing the perimenopause symptoms and just education, education, education for everybody involved really is the most important thing so that we recognise what's going on so we feel empowered to go and talk to other people about it and we can get the treatment that's going to be massively... Um, well, potentially very well, life changing. Potentially life changing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I hope I hope you don't mind me. No, I hope you don't mind me mentioning. Like I, I said in the interview that I'd felt teary quite a few times throughout. Um, but you actually had a little cry as soon as we got off the phone to Emma. Mm, Do you remember? I did. Yeah, I did. I got a real rush of emotion. A real sort of wave of emotion came over me. And I think it's because at that particular time as well, I had been really struggling with my sleep. I'd been feeling really anxious during the night, like lying in bed, not being able to sleep, feeling this little ball of anxiety growing in me. And this had been happening night after night after night. And I've been thinking, God, what's what's that all about? And then on talking to Emma, I just maybe realised the penny dropped. Well, maybe this is the start of me ex- beginning to experience some hormonal changes. Maybe this is the start mm. of my progesterone levels beginning to slowly drop. And mm. it felt like such a relief because it's like, oh, great. Well, that's OK then. That's okay then, because now I know if it gets worse, if it escalates, you know, when I get to a point where I feel like I need to talk to someone, now I know the questions to ask and what the reasons behind it might be. And that feels, it gives you back an element. It made me feel like it gave me back an element of control, actually. That's great. It felt like a real relief. Yeah. 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 That's it, isn't it? Relief is such, is relief and hope. That's exactly what I felt as well through that interview. And you've booked in an appointment with your doctor, haven't you? You haven't seen them yet, but you will be. Mm. Yeah, I am. I'm booked in to see my doctor to talk about my marina coil and what the best next steps is for that. So I'm still waiting for that call. So I don't really have anything to report back on that as of yet. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you, Gwen? Because you said that you had, when we were talking with Emma, you said that you had an appointment with your doctor that you were going to go and talk about HRT. Tell us. Yes. Tell us Yes, and I am absolutely delighted to report that I did go and see her and buoyed by or inspired by Emma basically saying you don't need blood tests so what I did instead and I don't have Emma's book yet was I just went online and I googled perimenopausal symptoms and I copied and pasted them into a document and um, I I got it from a couple of different sites and I ticked all the ones that I had and um, it's quite the list and I went into the doctor And I said to her, I think I'm perimenopausal and I would like to go on to HRT. So I did exactly what Emma said, which was just take control of the situation. And I read her out my list of symptoms. I I, I also started by saying, look, I thought I had dementia and I've been sent to a dementia clinic. She's like, yep, okay. She knows. She bloody knows. And and then when I read out the list, yeah. When I read out the list of symptoms as well, there was absolutely no question. She was like, yeah, great. These are your options. And um, she also said, and I honestly nearly burst into tears. And she said she gets so many women in there in tears who, um, who she was saying so many think they've got dementia and so many think that they're losing their minds. And, um, and yeah, um, it's so bloody sad. And I think it might, I don't know if this, I should have asked her this, and it might be inspired by the recent Davina McCall documentary, and it's just being spoken about by so many more women, that she's, she's prescribing HRT to about 20 women a week. Really? Yeah. So. Yeah. And is that so, a real uplift? She's seen that as a real uplift from. Well, this is what I should have bloody asked, shouldn't I? I was like, it <laughs> felt like that's what she was saying, that, the, yeah. that there is an uplift. And, and yeah. I think because what the Davina. Um, 
what really impacted on me was dispelling that myth that taking HRT is going to give you a, is going to give you is a much higher risk of breast cancer. Right. And actually, you've got some facts from that, haven't you? Because you've yes. just freshly watched, watched it today. Yes, I was so fascinated to see that. And this, so basically, there was a study done uh, between the relationship between HRT and breast cancer. And this was done a while ago. And since then, it has been reanalyzed. And the study has been relooked at since then. And um, a lot of the conclusions that were drawn have been proved to be false or misleading. And that actually, the real relationship between HRT and an increased risk of breast cancer is a much lower level than previously feared. And in fact, at a level, so the risk, if you're um, healthy you're and you're on HRT, it's four in 1,000. And the risk of, um, the increased risk of getting breast cancer if you're obese, if you're drinking two or more units of alcohol a day is far greater than this. So the risk posed by mm. HIT is quite a long way down the list compared to a lot of other lifestyle factors. Mm. But the legacy of this study and the media that surrounded it has really stuck and it's really stuck in people's minds, yeah. isn't it? And there's a lot of fear. Yeah. And she also says that only one in 10 women today take HRT. Some is through choice and through medical reasons, but a lot of them is just through lack of knowledge, lack of awareness mm. or fear over legacy studies that have misled people. Yeah. It's interesting because I hadn't seen the Davina McCall documentary when I went to the doctors. So when she sort of asked me if I had any questions, I was like, what about breast cancer? And she just said, it's the equivalent risk of you having a glass of wine every week. A glass mm. of red wine every week. I was like, hand it over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that dispelled. Where is me HRT? Give me yeah. the HRT. So yeah, it's really and oh my god, so devastating in that in that documentary with mm. that they said that overnight, like fifty percent of women came off HRT, and it's just like, oh god, how much must those women have then gone on to suffer unnecessarily due to that due yeah. to that um, due to that report? But yes, yeah, so as a result of going to the doctor. I, I went on HRT that very day and I have to say I'm absolutely delighted. Like hearing Emma saying that you can reverse the impacts, which for me is my brain fog and losing my words and this lack of confidence plus weight gain, a whole list of things. But if, if you can reverse some of those um, impacts and, and pretty quickly, like within a few weeks, then, oh my God, I'm just so excited and feel so hopeful about it. And That's and it's brilliant, a, Gwen. Yeah, and it's something that's caused me quite a bit of anxiety over the last four years. Yeah. And I and since since having that chat with Emma and and also since watching the documentary because I watched it the night that I went on HRT, I've been just talking about it with women. I've had a couple mm. of evenings out and talking about it with women, and it just feels like it's a conversation that more of us are having now. And Definitely. but also yeah, and people know so little about it. Um, and I also put a post out on Facebook and, you know, encouraging people to watch the documentary. And so many women wrote that they thought they were losing their minds or that they weren't yeah. listened to by a doctor or that they um, some of the, some people had such a rough time. And then and then on the other hand, how some people have gone onto HRT and it's just brought them back to life again. And one of them was like, Gwen, you're going to you're going to feel like Gwen again. I was like, oh, oh my god! Oh, yeah, Gwen, I just—I feel like I want to give you a hug because that's—that's that's huge, isn't it? I mean, mm. you're young, and to be going through the rest of your life feeling like a shadow of yourself—that's yeah. just 
it's not it's not fair is it no and that feeling i can see a big smile on your face that sort of you saying about how you feel hopeful now about feeling like yourself again and being able yeah. to just get on with life yeah that's brilliant yeah from a, just from a sort of practical point of view did she say come back in x amount of time and we'll see if the levels are right or what, what how does she propose you manage it yes in 3 months 3 you know in 3 months time i've got to go back in and we we'll, we will check in and see how it's going she started me on the patches they are so far so good they kind of like half the month it's just estrogen and for the second half it's estrogen and progesterone okay. and um, because i'm still getting a regular period cycles yep. so it, they're quite they're cyclical ones or they are built for people who are still having their periods yep. um so yeah so we'll see in three months how i'm feeling and how it's how it's and if it's working or if i need to try something different and did she give you choices or options or did she very much say this is what i advise you do she very much advised the patches and i said like friends of mine actually friends of mine who are menopausal or have been through menopause that all through because they've had cancer or surgery or hysterectomies um they have all to me it seemed they're all taking like estrogen gel and i was like oh what about estrogen gel and and progesterone tablets and she's like well there's a lot more kind of thinking around that that you've got to take progesterone for some of the month mm. and then you know do the estrogen every day she goes it's much more straightforward to take the patches so let's try you on that first and then if and when, then we can do, we right. can try, you know, somewhere else, something else. There's also, I think you can get oestrogen pessaries yeah. to pop up your vagina. And actually on that note, she's also given me oestrogen gel and cream for um, for up the clacker. Up the outclacker. Because, um, <coughs> and I wondered about how to talk about this on the, on the podcast. I was going to say, like, it's not the Sahara Desert up there, but it's also... It's also not the Victoria Falls, you know. It's no longer, <laughs> so it's no longer yet the Victoria Falls. So it's nice that I'm we're going for somewhere in the middle. Picture with the aid if you of will, some... like a is it like a mature? <laughs> what sort of looking for? Like a bit of mature oak forest? Is that? The, I'm trying to think of somewhere between the desert and the Victoria Falls. You know, it's not rainforest, but it's also not a sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's not rainforest, but there's a lush not... field of wheat at the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah. It's the marshlands when there's been a small drought. So, um, but anyway, she's um, with less she's wildlife. Me this... <laughs> a lot of bush, <laughs> but she's um. So she was saying that's the one thing the HRT can't turn around. Sorry, right. ladies, but there's oestrogen cream that you can um, you can pop up into your vagina and you do it um, once a day for a couple of weeks, and then you're just doing it once a week, and um, which will make it all. I don't want to say the word moist. It'll make your marshland plump. Don't say plump. <laughs> plump and moist. Oh, oh God! Now I'm thinking of Gwen's vagina. Oh, I feel a bit ill. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kate. <laughs> It's impossible. We, I love the fact that we started this podcast saying we just need to sort of empower ourselves and other people just talk about these things without snickering. But it's so hard. We're doing so well. Oh, dear. So there we go. Bring it on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Write Up My Podcast. As always, we love to hear from you. So please email us at writeupmypodcast at gmail.com. 
and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and our handle is at rightupmy. Wherever you listen to us, you are able to subscribe and or follow us. And if you go on over to Apple, you can leave us a review and a rating. We would be very, very grateful for that. And please, especially with this episode, please share it with your friends. I think they're going to like it. And if you just want a little bit more Right Up My Podcast, then head to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash rightupmypodcast, where there's various bits of extra content just for you. And we couldn't finish this episode without giving a great big thank you to our team. Thank you very much to Pammy Muir, who has been editor extraordinaire this episode, to Andy Grimes on the music, and to Erica Francis-George for her delightful, delicious artwork. And we will be back in a couple of weeks where we are going to be talking all about smartphone addiction. Oh, Do my not God. Miss it. It's going to be a goodie. <laughs> but meanwhile, keep trying things to make you feel good. Bye-bye. Tell me, did you like the podcast, Brian? No! Oh. If unlike Brian you thought our podcast was really great, then don't hold back, like, subscribe and tell your mate. But if like Brian you thought our podcast wasn't fun, then just keep quiet, don't feel the need to tell anyone. Oh, we'd love to hear from you if you've got some thoughts to share, such rich and lovely views that all should be aware of. But I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great. And if you did, like, subscribe and tell your mate. Because we don't need grumpy pants bringing everybody down. No, we don't need negative Nellies making people frown. No. So I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great and if you did like subscribe and tell your mate